Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of... Hey, I just dropped a button. Another episode of City Chatter. Um, sorry, breaking stuff. Um, <laughs> as as uh, I'm Public Information Officer John Bernstrom with the City of Grand Forks, and thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast. Joined this week by City Council President Dana Sandy. Dana, thank you for being here. Thank you, John. I really appreciate the invite. There's nowhere I'd rather be right now. Exactly. I appreciate the enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I appreciate that. Um, so let's let's get right into it. Council meeting on Monday. There was a, a no no. How's your day going? Oh, no. we'll get to that later. Okay, we'll right. get to that later. Okay. We'll get to Sounds that later. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Dana. Yep. yep. How's good. your day going, Dana? Yeah. yeah. You know, pretty good. <laughs> I spent an hour on the radio earlier today getting chastised about billboards and and uh, signs and our sign codes. So it'd be great if we could start talking about should, that, John. Should we start with signs? Yeah, that'd be good. Let's do it. Okay, but let's mm-hmm. let's do it this way. Can you talk about on Monday? There was a large discussion about billboards, and, and there's kind of two aspects to it. Can you talk about first the park district coming for looking for a variance? Yep. And and it, it got it got shot down. But why they had to come for a variance? Can you talk about that? Why the variance was needed there? So uh, it's interesting. I've been uh, visiting with Mike Op from uh, Oxford Realty. Uh, Mike, who made the donation to the park district for the naming rights of the new ball field which is great. He's, he's donated a, a half a million dollars to the park district, right? It's a great investment in our community. Mike loves baseball. He loves kids. He's got great kids himself. Uh, Mike was interested in getting the uh, monument sign installed out at, uh, out at Apollo Park. Um, the, uh, the issue is uh, the sign that they want to erect does not meet the Grand Fork sign code. It's almost sure. twice the size in terms of square footage as what's allowed on that piece of property. Now, one can argue the other three corners are zoned differently than that corner. And the sign that they want to put out would meet the, the sign code requirements for the zoning of the other three, oh, the three corners. corners. Sure. So logically, does it make sense that we would approve that sign? Sure, it does. Will we eventually approve that sign? Most likely, yes. I don't see any reason why people wouldn't support having a nice new sign uh, for whatever it is, Oxford, Ballfield, or yeah. whatever they want whatever to call Whatever the title it, right? is. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, issue for me is there are lots of signs that are on that property less than 100 yards from where this sign is going to go that don't currently meet the city sign code. Sure. And so... We have no we have no other way to encourage the property owners to meet the current sign code, uh, other than hold up them putting another sign out on their property. So I'm not I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be difficult, uh, and I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to say that the park district is up to something or whatever. Right? I, I always come off wrong because I I speak first and and then I think later. Fact of the matter is the park district has a couple dozen signs that don't meet the city sign code that are right there, and they know about it. It's not like Monday night was the first time they, that it came, became public that they have signs that don't meet the sign code. We've been talking about it personally, professionally, behind closed doors, on the phone, you name it. It's been talked about over and over again. Fact is they haven't done anything about it. In my opinion, they should be... F- held to the same standard as any other business owner in our community. It's uh, just because they're a taxing political entity in our community doesn't mean that they shouldn't follow 
the city laws. So I just like to see them clean it up. I'm sure they're going to. I don't know when. I haven't heard anything. Um, it's Wednesday afternoon, so you know, 36 hours has gone by since uh, since it came up on Monday night. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if uh, Bays Flugus, Mr. Bays Flugus, heard anything yet either. But I know some of the folks from the park district have been on vacation. I know that they have good intentions, so I'm sure they'll figure it out. Okay, okay. The second sign issue that came up on Monday was talking about billboards. Billboards, uh, we, yeah. We have um, our billboard code mm-hmm. has, is tied to our population. We got our official census numbers in 21, which then allowed for, I believe it's an 11, 11 additional billboards I per, code, so. yep, per code. Per code, uh, every 566 new residents means another billboard. Yep, so th- there's been a rush of billboards that technology is changing uh can you just talk about that that discussion there was a postponement of an approval there uh pending taking a look at that code what what, what are you hoping to find in, in in taking a look at the code you guys directed uh, mr gosted to do well ultimately i'd like mr gosted to come back and tell me that it's okay for us to eliminate not only put a moratorium on putting out new billboards but also put in some sort of a timeline for billboards to be removed because the billboards that I believe the purpose for a billboard as was initially designed is to pull people into a community off a highway. It's not, it's not meant for local advertising on your main strip in your downtown. That wasn't the purpose of a billboard in the first place. And I think that uh, the concept of, how we use billboards and why they're being used and where they're being placed has completely changed and, and isn't uh, being done with their original intent. And so um, I, for one, don't see any need to have billboards, electronic or otherwise, in our community. Um, we have all sorts of sign opportunities for people to have signs on their properties. We don't need to have big billboards for some for-profit organization to sell advertising for the people that and businesses that are already here in our community. So again, that's just my opinion. People might disagree. People might love the electronic signs. That's fine. You're all welcome to your opinion. I just don't think they're necessary. I would like to see, and I'm hoping that uh, again, that the city attorney says that we can phase them out over time, that the uh, billboard companies that made the financial investment can get their investment back in a reasonable amount of pro- uh, profit and then can remove those signs. And then I think that's something important too. The technology of billboards has, has changed out, to say what, within the past decade immensely. They're now different shapes. They're different everything. Yeah, they're running up and down. It's, uh, they're, they're longer. They're narrower. They're, the the uh, aspect ratio is different. It's weird. Uh, well, weird. It's it's nothing that we've seen in the past. You know, the prior ten, ten prior to ten years ago or fifteen years ago, uh, the technology's changed so much with LEDs and you name it. Um, they can broadcast brighter and faster, and um, they do have to follow our sign limitations, the limitations that we provided on uh, on how fast they can change messaging. But either way. Uh, uh, the uh, they certainly are different than the billboard of old. 
Yes, that's yeah. that's for sure. And and even recently, I remember the discussion of planning and zoning. There was a vertical billboard. When it first came, you're looking at a drawing, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's hard to picture it. And then you see it up, and you're like, oh, now I see it. It's, it's, sure. w- with all this new stuff, sometimes it's it's hard to wrap your head around it until you actually see it up. Well, did you? I didn't know until Monday. I literally learned this on Monday that uh, you can put – they can put an electronic sign as long as they meet the zoning and and the sign code. They can put a billboard anywhere in town without authorization of the city council. Anytime they want. Sure, as long as, as they're long as within, they have the within city they ha- code. Yeah, as long as they have the license for a billboard, they can put it out on Gateway Drive. They could. The mm-hmm. only place they need approval is on South Washington Street, which is bizarre to me. I don't know why it came down to that. I think people at in history where they knew that South Washington was where the masses of the drivers were. And so they wanted to pack them in there. Sure. So the, some city council made that designation, but like the, the electronic sign that's gone now at the bottom of Demers Avenue up and over the overpass. Sure. There was no discussion about that billboard, electronic billboard at city council at all. I had no idea it was going in there until it was up. The fact is, that organization, that electronic billboard company, they went to Wayland's Moving and Storage because Wayland's owned the rights to the billboard that was there. The static billboard, they bought the rights to the billboard from Wayland's, tore Wayland's down, and put their electronic one up. There, and it's, it's perfectly sure. legal, but I completely disagree with it. Sure, it's not, it's not an additional sign. Right. It's not a, right, it, all, all the things that that uh, are in the code. Right. They checked all the boxes. I just disagree. I don't think there should be a big electronic billboard right as you come up and over the... I mean, that's the grand entrance to our downtown. Yeah. And and the city of Grand Forks has no control over what people are seeing right. when they come into our community. Right. All right. Well, no, that's okay. That's that's enough sign talk. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've had enough of that today. Yeah, good so stuff. let's go into another uh, interesting... We're in the middle of the budget a little bit. Preliminary budget has been approved. Yep. Final budget budget is set to be approved on September 18th. That's the public hearing. Yep. That's the public hearing. As a, as a city council member, between preliminary approval and final approval, how much work are you, are you doing on the budget working with staff right now? None. None. Okay. None, none at all. Uh, because, you know, personally, myself, I do all the heavy lifting prior to preliminary approval. Um, ultimately, once we give preliminary approval, in my opinion, it means that I'm prepared to vote yes on it. Sure. And, and I want to make sure for myself that if I'm going to be prepared to vote yes on it at final, it better be right the first time. Sure. And so uh, the mayor, myself, uh, Marine Store said finance, uh, HR, uh, y- you can ask them. I, I ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time going through things. It's often they'll get emails from me in the middle of the night. Because of things I've been thinking about, and, and, uh, and they're re- very good. We are so fortunate as a community and, and as, a, as a council to have such good city employees in leadership positions that care about our community. And they, uh, this is going to probably sound cliche, they, they, want, they believe in transparency and honesty. And so they'll often tell me things that I don't want to hear or that I don't like, <laughs> sure. but it's because it is what it is, right? Yeah. Nobody's trying to sugarcoat things. Nobody's trying to frame things in a way that will lead me to an answer that they want because they know I, well, I believe they know I see through that, but also 
I believe they're really good people and, and that they want us all to mutually come to, come to a conclusion where we're all happy. And so, uh, so prior to uh, preliminary approval, spent a lot of time talking. Again, Brett Weber and I spent a lot of time talking about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think people know, especially the council members know and, and city staff, I spent a lot of time pouring over the budget binder and I, I do, I do, I probably dissect it more than I need to. Uh, it's a big binder. Well, but somebody has to do it, right? Uh-huh. And, and uh, not that the other council members don't put in time, but, you know, I've, I've done it now 13 times. Uh-huh. I know what I'm, I know what to look for. And I know, uh, I, I, let's I'm probably more efficient at it than any of the other sure. council members. So I believe they've come to, you know, new council members. I'll give them, you know, but like Brett and, and Ken, I believe that they know that I do a good job. Sure. And so they probably don't have to spend as much time with the, with the binder as, as I do. They spend their time thinking about other specific items that they want to make sure get into the budget and are framed in the right way. You know, Ken with infrastructure and whatever, yeah. and, and Brett with, uh, both infrastructure, but also uh, human needs, mm-hmm. yep. uh, human resources, yep. our employees, those sorts of things. Right. So, and that's how we end up. Uh, we become a pretty good team by uh, uh, making sure that you know. From I feel like my role is making sure that the numbers in the budget are add up and they're right, and and uh, uh, that there isn't anything specific that we've missed. And those two make sure that that we've hit all the big, sure. hit all the big, uh, the big things for the community. So I think it works out pretty well. Um, and, you know, by the time, again, by the time we got to preliminary approval, I was feeling pretty comfortable. The mayor had a f- couple changes that mm-hmm. he wanted to make the last, the last day, and I had a couple changes, and otherwise everybody was fine with it. So I, I will say this as a staff member, and uh, you're talking budget and working, it, I very much appreciate as council members come to us on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I have this question. There have been council members in the past. Um, I can't speak to this council. Still learning some, you know, the, the amendments on the floor. Right. <laughs> you right. know, and it's maybe a good idea. I don't know at this point, but you're voting in 10 seconds or well, whatever. Right. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, go back in time. I served uh, six years with uh, council member Bierke, like Terry. I really do. I've, I've always said that I like him. Terry and I were on the same side on a lot of 95 percent of the time but the uh coming to the council meetings and coming in with 27 amendments with you when you prior to discussing any of them with anybody it's impossible to get support for things i mean the the way the council should work is compromise you know uh that's the way our federal government can't seem to get it done at the local level we have to compromise with one another that which means we have to be communicating and working together, trying to, you know, if, uh, you know, whomever, if Rebecca wants something on the north end and okay, and sure, and Brett wants something on the south end or Kyle, and we try to work it out mm-hmm. so that we can, everybody can win rather, you know, it shouldn't be a zero sum game. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> being, being prepared in advance and, and making those phone calls, like I don't even like going into a, council meeting just a regular council meeting with there should never be an aha or a gotcha moment because sure. cities that the city staff don't deserve that right so i'll email and i'll let people know 
in advance, even if they don't want to hear what I'm going <laughs> right. to say, I let them know this is the path I'm going right. down. I'm pulling this item right. for this reason. Right. Yeah. So, so that they're, uh, so at least they can be prepared and then there's not any, you know, hard feelings. I don't, I don't like, and, and I have had situations where I've had, there have been hard feelings ba- based upon things that I've said at meetings with, with city staff. And, and uh, unfortunately those things happen and I'm the first one to pick up the phone and call and say, I'm sorry. Sure. Right, because I don't mind. I, I've been wrong lots of times. I certainly recognize that, and when I'm wrong, I'm happy to take uh, to take the lumps for it. Sure. So. Yeah. No. No problem. So, speaking, you've brought up a couple of times. You you've been on the council. You said you're you're thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen. So I'm, from I'm in year fourteen. <laughs> from first elected to council to now city council president. I mean, that's how, how different from those first couple of council meetings you're on. To, to the meetings now, how much do you feel you've grown as a council member? Oh, I'm nothing the way I was when I first started. Um, I was very fortunate. You know, we had some very strong community leaders when I was first elected. Uh, Elliot Glassheim, Hal Gershman, Doug Christensen, uh, Kurt Kroon, Terry Birke were on mm-hmm. with me. And when I got elected, I got elected with Tyrone Grandstrand. Tyrone only lasted. That was your first election yeah, year. Okay. He, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he did in 2010. Tyrone only made it one one term, but I think he moved out of town. Yeah, I don't think he lives in town whatever. anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. It happens. I, yeah. I think he's in the planning department in Fargo, actually. I've heard he oh, did, really? he's doing pretty well. I haven't okay. spoken to him, but I, yeah. I heard he's doing pretty good uh, for the for their community. So, uh, And which he would be, he would know. He knows mm-hmm. the ins and outs of government. So, uh, yeah, so I spent a lot of time listening you know, most people, when they run for public office, uh, you know, I think I feel like they're doing it for one of two reasons. They're either doing it for personal gain um, or they're doing it because they're mad about something. And I mm-hmm. was angry at the time. And uh, I was angry about the uh, housing, well, the flood lots that were for sale in oh, our community. Sure. I yep. tried to buy a couple flood lots. And Mr. Gershman, who's a very good friend of mine, um, got in my way. Of buying a buying a lot because I wanted to build a house and yeah. I was pissed off and I told them I was pissed and I was going to run for council and fix the fix the mess that they created, and so I did. And, <laughs> and uh, the first thing that they did was put me on the committee. And well, sure, we had gone I don't know three years and had sold like four lots, and then in the next year and a half we sold like forty and just blew them out. And yep. because it made no sense, we were putting so many governmental regulations on people's ability to buy the lots that the city was sitting on it made no sense to me so anyway i I think all of those areas of town el monte and chestnut and down by 15th avenue south they've all filled in great yeah the houses look great people got a good deal on a lot Uh, the city got the houses back on the tax roll i think it worked out i think if i hadn't run they'd still be selling those (laughs) lots anyway uh I, so, so I ran for because I was angry, and, and uh, so when I was at the council meetings, because in my mind I was there for one topic, although I read all the information, was paying attention, and I had been on planning and zoning, so I understood a lot of the concepts that were going on. There were still a lot of things that I had no idea what they were talking about, and when it came to city code, I knew nothing. And so sitting next to Doug Christensen, the attorney that had copies you know, book binders of the city code sitting in front of him. And during meetings, he would pull out the city code sure. and he'd go to yeah. the section and he'd talk about it. I, could, I mostly kept my mouth shut and listened. 
and uh, I learned an incredible amount from from those gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Christensen is a great man. I really, really like Doug. He's a good friend, and and he helped me so much. Of course, Kurt did too. So, and uh, Elliot, uh, Elliot and I didn't get along so so well, <laughs> but I, but I really liked him too. So. You pivot that to you, all these people that you learn from, listen to. You know, they're all listening to you now. You're, you're yeah. the you, a new person gets elected as as now a veteran council member. Do you feel yeah. some obligation? Do you reach out? To, what, yeah. what do you do? It's hard. To, it's hard to believe that people are looking to me. Um, I, I really appreciate I appreciate that, which I know it's true, but it's still it's an ominous feeling. Um, I do reach out. I try to be helpful. I try to, uh, when the two new council members were elected uh, uh, a year ago, I spent a lot of time, and I still, my, they know my phone is always available. I'm always available for a phone call if they have questions. I don't spend a lot of time calling people. Uh, well, I've never, here we are, I'm in my 14th year. I've never asked anyone to vote with me on any topic. I've never sure. done that. Okay. Uh, and I won't. Um, prior to my becoming council president, I had been asked many times to get on board and, and vote a certain way. And, sure. it, and it bugged me because I knew that I was elected the same way everybody else was. And uh, I was there to represent my constituents. And, and I didn't like the fact that, um, that I was being forcefully asked to vote in a sure. certain way or another, yep. right? And yep. so it bugged me. So I, I, I go out of my way to tell everyone that their vote is the same as my vote. Uh, everyone's welcome to their opinion, and it's totally okay if we disagree on any topic. I, let, I will call people, if there's something going on, I will call people and let them know my opinion and tell them this is why I'm going to vote this way. Sure. But then I say, you're welcome to vote any way you right. want to, right? I have no, and, and I don't have any hard feelings. There have been lots of, uh, lots of topics where I've been outvoted by the majority, and mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me because uh, I certainly know enough to know that I don't know everything. I'm just a person. So, you know, sometimes I feel like, especially when I hear people speak negatively about council members or the mayor, I feel like they think we're, we're different than they are. Uh, we all, you know, we all yeah. live here. We we're not full time professional uh, politicians. You know, I've got a job, and you know, Rebecca's got a job, and Everyone, you name it. Every one of that council has just, a job. We all go. To, I run into people at the grocery store, and it's like they're surprised to see me at Hugo's. <laughs> Why would you be surprised, right? And I, don't, I ran into a gentleman at Menards yesterday, and he was all, "Hey, Dana." That's right. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's, it's great, and I'm glad that people come up to me and say hello, but, I, you know, we're just, we're just normal people doing whatever we do. So uh, I think, uh, you know, as a group, this group is very good. Again, my phone is always open. I know there's lots of phone calls that happen. I talk to Danny a lot. I talk mm-hmm. to Kyle a lot. Um, I, well, actually, I talk to... With the exception of Ken, I talk to all the council members sure. a lot uh, because we have a lot of things going on. And Ken's he's busy working his job, yep. and he's got other other things on his mind right now, and that's fine too. Yeah, um, you, being on council this long, only two mayors: Mayor yeah. Brown, Mayor Wachensky. You bet. Um, all of us staff went through that. We're just like, oh, we we know we've only worked. A lot of us had only worked for one mayor. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was that as a council president with with that? 
transit because there's a transition. We're all feeling each other out. Oh yeah, right. You know how how, how did how did that go? Um, you know, we were in the middle of COVID. We, I mean, there was so much going on. Um, how, how did that go from your end? And I don't want you to get in trouble, but, but you know, or anyone well, no, in trouble. How did that yeah, go for you? No, I, I think the mayor would, I think, you know, we should be honest. The transition was miserable. It really was. It was horrible. And just because we don't, you know, uh, I don't know, hubris. My hubris, the mayor's hubris, sure. whatever, you know. It was new, new city attorney. It was all sorts of change. Um, and again, I, middle of COVID. Yeah, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm, I like things the way I like things. And uh, the mayor Brown and I had a very good understanding. And so when uh, the new mayor comes in and all of a sudden he's in the office 40 hours a week and he's more like a city employee than he is the mayor in terms of the amount of time that he's yes. putting in. It's just, a, it's just a, it was a very strange dynamic, and um, we, we, weren't, we didn't get along. I mean, that's the fact is, for, I don't know, six, eight months, we, we didn't get along really very well at all. And uh, I think for the most part, we were civil, and we tried, and we listened. But, uh, you know, I mean, the mayor, he'll probably laugh about it today. There, there was a time when one of the... Uh, it was after a council meeting. One of the custodians actually came, peeked their, poked their head into his office, and asked if they should call the police <laughs> because there was so much yelling going on. Well, I mean, I laugh about it now because sure. the mayor and I get along great, and you know we've got a, a great understanding now. And I understand, you know, his motivations, and and uh, you know I've recognized, you know, nobody can say that he doesn't put in the work. Nobody can I, say that. No. There are things that he and I disagree on, and we fundamentally disagree on them. But the, the man works. Mm-hmm. He puts in, and he, you can tell that his heart is in our community. And I, you know, I know he w- was raised in the Minneapolis area, but he's a Grand Forks guy. There is no yep. doubt about it. And not everybody that's in our community that is born here is a Grand Forks mm-hmm. person, but he definitely is. And so that's why, uh, like, in this budget cycle, when he's making these significant changes to how – we're utilizing our uh, our economic development mm-hmm. funds, for example. He was elected by the people. The guy puts in the work. He uh, he has a sound fundamentals. He works with finance to understand the the financial implications. And and so this is he's the mayor, and he's elected by all of the people in in our community who voted, not just one seventh like I am. Which is why, okay, if that's the direction the mayor wants to go, I'll get on board. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's. I. It's not my idea, and it's uh, certainly. Uh, sorry. Oh, you're my, popping out. There you go. I got there it go. back on. There you go. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not necessarily what I would have done, but it's a bold strategy, and bold is mm-hmm. bold. Change is hard, right? I'm an oh, old yeah. dog. Change yeah. is hard, but uh, I think the the mayor's got some good points and some good ideas, and so I'm on board. So the transition, the transition was very difficult. Is it good today? It's as good as it's been. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, and uh, our new city attorney, I really liked Howard Swanson. I thought Howard was an exceptional city attorney. I really do. Um, I think Dan Gosted is also an exceptional sure. city attorney. He is such a nice guy, and he always answers the phone. And uh, he's grown into his role, too, I think, since, mm-hmm. since he started. Um, I used to get very attorney-like responses from sure. him. 
And uh, like you're in a courtroom. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it's less of that now and more of a, here's the law here. Also, here's how it could apply. And here's kind of what I think. And here are some options for you. Right. So uh, he's not telling us what we should do. He does a really good job of providing a, perhaps a more soft touch on the legal side. Sure. Sure. No, no, that's, that's, that's great insight. Yeah. So, uh, so it's been good. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. That's good. So you, your mother was on the city council. You're mm-hmm. on the city council. Mm-hmm. Your wife is on planning and zoning. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of public service in a household. Uh, how, <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you, is this something that's always been in, in your mind as far as being in public service in, in some component? I'm just, I'm just thinking of, of, uh, you know, just, just who, who you've been around growing up and becoming Dana. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I had always had that inkling. I know that uh, my mom, lover, God rest her soul, my mom was a limousine liberal, uh, grew up in a relatively wealthy family on the East Coast and went to private school, co- private college for women. And uh, my dad, on the other hand, uh, born in Thief River Falls, Sure. Uh, moved to Grand Forks, you know, started, went to uh, medical school in Boston. And so he's the, you know, the son of a business owner who related to agriculture, very conservative side. Mm-hmm. And so the opposites, I guess, attract. They met on a blind date in Boston and, and uh, in college. Uh, they disagreed on almost everything politically, almost everything. And so growing up, there was never, never, well, my mom was an exceptional cook too, and they both <laughs> believed in family dinner. Oh, sure. We do in our house too. Yeah. So every, every night, you know, my brother and I had wrestling practice or football practice or whatever. They'd hold dinner. We'd eat later, whatever. They'd work around our, uh, our schedules in school. But there would always be an argument every night at our, at our table. <laughs> I and, don't mean to and, laugh, but I can and, picture it. But it's, it. it's yeah. true. There was not, there were seldom a night when someone wasn't yelling <laughs> at, at the dinner table. That's just the way it was. And it was the, it, it was the daily debate about national news or local news sure. or what's going on with the county or you name it. There was always a debate at our table and uh, uh, virtually always somebody angry. And so I grew up, I grew up learning about both sides. Sure. You know, my mom was, was uh, very passionate about, uh, human rights and you know just taking care of people she always she she volunteered my mom was a professional volunteer after mm-hmm. you know after getting her going to school for history and english she was a professional volunteer and so she worked all over our community trying to help people uh spent a lot of time with the united way and others but uh uh, but my dad, of course, always, cause my mom would always want to give and my dad would say, but you're not making the money. Oh, right. And yeah. so, and there the was always that, yeah, there was always there. that, yeah. uh, that, uh, general fight between the two of them. And so I, I learned both sides, which is why I, I'm probably less conservative than my dad, but more conservative than my mom. And I, I'll, yep. I'll try to admit or try to say that I'm kind of the best of both of them. I think I am pretty soft socially. Uh, I am, I, 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 I've seen since coming on the council, I've had such a different perspective of uh, the value of people and seeing the things that go on in our community related to poverty and other things, which is why it's, you know, 
in that case, I'd become a bleeding heart, but I'm also very fiscally conservative and try to make sure that we're not spending frivolously on, I don't know, we can have that argument. <laughs> you know, the pendulum swings one way or the other. Right. And I don't know where it should sit, right? Whether right. it should be a little here or a little there uh, on, in terms of how we're spending our money socially and, and in, you know, uh, but I know that uh, all I'm trying to do is the best I can and take care of the people in our community while trying to keep the taxes down for, uh, for the taxpayers. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and, and thanks for cutting open that vein. Your mother would come to City Hall to pay her utility bill and come and say hi to me every time oh, yeah, she did. I'd see her awesome. once a month, and, yeah. and, and, was, and was great. Yeah, my dad's been gone for 13 years now. It's so hard to believe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing where time goes. Time goes. And, of yeah. course, my, my dad, uh, he was not a, uh, a volunteer, but my dad gave of his time at work, and, and uh, there are a lot of people in our community that uh, got a lot of – uh, free dental work sure because they needed it and so i'm very proud of my dad for that and he never he never t- talked about it but if you ask other dentists in our community my dad was the guy that they could always send somebody to to take care of take oh. care of somebody and and if sure. they didn't have the means he just didn't charge them and just. moving on because he didn't care he wanted to help people no that's awesome that's awesome yeah so uh, it, it, I, I asked if I could talk about this in, in an email back and forth we had, and I, and I hope it's okay. You've had a few, uh, several meetings recently where, where you've been joined remotely, and you're obviously in a car going somewhere. You've also mm-hmm. had it's a few meetings where you're coming in with, with, an, with an eye patch. Eye patch or yeah. goggles or you name it. So, right? so if you don't mind me asking, uh, one, is everything okay? And two, what happened? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, everything's okay. Uh, I, uh, you know, during COVID... When we were when we were in shutdown or lockdown, um, they were doing, you know, you could still pick up food drive through. Sure. And so yep. uh, I was sent on a mission to go grab some grab some grub for the team, and I'm heading east on 17th, and I felt like I had something in my eye, my left eye. So I went and rubbed it, and then I recognized that I couldn't see with my right eye. Oh. And so. Um, I uh, I ended up reaching out to uh, eye doctor friend who he got me in the next day, and uh, they recognized that I have, oh, wow, weird emotional feeling right there. Uh, they recognized that I have glaucoma, oh. and uh, unfortunately, at that point, I had already lost about fifty percent of the vision in my right eye, and I'm I'm down to about forty percent now. But I also have glaucoma in my left eye, and so I spent. I've spent a couple of years, I had spent a couple of years battling using eye drops, mm-hmm. trying to control pressure. Uh, eventually, uh, my local ophthalmologist referred me to Mayo. So uh, the, when I got to Mayo, and some, I can't forget, glaucoma is hereditary. I had no idea glaucoma it was is, hereditary. Huh? If your parents or grandparents have glaucoma, you need to get annual eye exams. The issue that the reason I didn't know is my, the vision in my left eye is 2010. I can see I'm not nearsighted or farsighted. I can read up close. I can read out here. I have no problems. My left eye compensates for my right. I had no you idea. You had no idea. I had no wow. idea that I that I'd been losing my vision, and so it'd been almost 10 years since I'd had an eye exam. Sure. Because why? My what? vision's perfect. Right. Don't have headaches. Don't have right. No problems. So uh, so anyway. Uh, 
Uh, I've been seeing uh, Boy Genius at uh, Mayo Clinic, Dr. Gavin Roddy, who uh, over the 4th of July week was the keynote speaker at the World Glaucoma Conference. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a just a gem, a real nice guy, uh, homeschools five kids, 30 <laughs> yeah. 36 years old. Right. Uh, Smarter than the room one, combined. Yeah, yeah. so one, one, Wonder Boy. And uh, he's, uh, he's such a good guy and so caring. And, but uh, the, the first time I saw him, he told me my glaucoma is raging out of control. He said, well, you need surgery today. And so uh, that was oh, about a year ago now. It was, it's very hard to get on their surgical schedule. Um, so uh, December 6th, I had surgery. They did what's called a trabeculectomy to my right eye they put a hole in the top of your eye because of all of the other treatments. They're trying to relieve the pressure in your yeah, eye. Yeah, that's the whole thing with glycoma. It's, 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 it's pressure. pressure. And yep. so you're, you're, you're naturally supposed to have pores in the – I'll call them pores. Sure. Little holes yep. in the yep. back of your right, eye that relieve to, that pressure. to relieve the pressure. So I'd been through the lasers, shooting lasers mm-hmm. through the back of my eye. You name it. I've had it done a few times. Nothing's working in the right eye. So trabeculectomy, they, they – Cut the hole in the top of my eye. They, they cut a, like three sides of a square, and they crinkle it back, and then they sew the sides. So you Jeez. should have a permanent <laughs> slit yeah. where, the, where the fluid can flow out, and then they measure your pressures over time. And if they need to, they can cut a suture to open that up To make more, it bigger. To make it bigger. Sure. Okay. Right. So unfortunately, like the average age of a person that gets a trabeculectomy is... 75 years old, right. right? I'm 50 years old, and so my body heals too well. So that so it healed up. It's, it's trying to heal, so they're giving me shots in the eye of a fluid that's supposed to keep it from healing over. Well, I had, it, it kept healing so many times that the shots in the eye actually killed the tissue that goes over the flap. Okay. And so I had to have the surgery done again. So I had it done December 6th, and then I had it done again June 6th because they had to cut out all that tissue and sew it all back together. And, of course, I'm having the same problem now. I'm healing too well. So I've been shot in the eye every week. But now they're delivering the shots from different, you know, the doctor seems to think, it's going okay, and everything looks good. I have another appointment in Rochester on Friday, and that will be my 21st appointment since December 6th. That's a, that's a lot of miles. Yeah. It, 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 for, 700 miles, or I'm sorry, it's 400 miles from Grand Forks you, to Rochester. You're learning every pit stop along the way. Yeah, you yeah. bet. Even the people in the gas stations know me by name. Yep, I, yeah. I, I so, didn't. To tell the truth to those to those listening, I, I I knew you had I had no idea to that extent. I asked the question, "Hey, can we talk about it?" Again, it was at council meetings. It was obvious, Dana. I I, I appreciate that. I mean, opening that up. That's yeah, you know, and and uh, it's interesting too because I'm I'm apparently my threshold for uh, torture has gotten pretty high because of all this. So the second time I had the surgery, I did it with just local. Sure. 
the first time they gave me some sedative, the sec- but, you know, you don't feel super well. And then they tell you you, you can't because you're having surgery at 7 o'clock in the morning. And you have to stay overnight because they have to see you the next day and the day after that and two days after that. And so the first time they tell me, uh, we're going to give you a sedative and then you can't, uh, you can't have any, anything to drink tonight. And I say, well, can you go light on the sedative? <laughs> well, because we're, we're down and I want to have a glass of wine. Exactly. We're in Rochester. And so the second time I just said, just do it with local. So that time they actually stuck a needle oh, all the way man. through my eyeball oh. into my optic nerve. And then a little local on top, and so I'm essentially there having a conver- you know, not having a conversation. Sure. But it was kind of funny because one of the nurses sneezed, and I said, "Bless you," and everyone in the room erupted laughing because they assumed you know oh. everybody else is always out, everyone you know, else. right? So, uh, so anyway, it's uh, it's been it's been quite a it's been quite a road, but I'm doing okay. Dude, you look good. Well, the worst thing that happens is I 100% lose the vision in my right eye. I don't have a whole lot of vision in my right eye anyway, and I don't even notice that I, I don't notice it. You don't here. notice it. I don't it. even notice it. That's, that's, right. that's amazing. So, that's you know, amazing. there are days when I've thought, well, an ice cream scoop would be better than all that's going <laughs> sure. on, but whatever. We'll keep plugging away. All right. Dana, um, unless you got something to add, this, this is a great conversation. I appreciate it. I've, I've been on city staff for 17 years. We, we almost match up time-wise. Yep. I've, I've always mm-hmm. had a good time communicating with you. We don't always agree. We've had back and forth texting, and I'm like, Dana, I think you're wrong. We'll talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. Here we I, are. Yeah. yeah I, I, again, I'm, I'm certainly – I'm just a guy that gets out of bed and tries to do the best I can. So appreciate yep. it, John. And really, I appreciate everything you do for our community as well as all the rest of the city staff, even the ones that don't like me. I know that you're working hard, and, and I really appreciate all the, all, the, all the efforts that everyone puts in. It's, what makes, it's the heart of our community. It's what makes us great. Yeah. All right. Dana Sandy, Ward 6 City Council President, joining us here for, for this episode of the City Chatter Podcast. Thank, thank you, Dana. Uh, just a couple of quick notes. Um, school starts in a week. Be careful around schools. Um, and they're also on 32nd. They're going to mill and overlay that thing next week as well. Uh, going to go 28th and 29th. So thank you for joining us for another episode of the City Chatter. Visit grandforksgov.com slash podcast to see all of our, or listen to all of our previous episodes. And thank you for joining us and have a good week.